And joining us this morning on this, it sort of seems like the first day of the year, but it's the second, are Sanira Chowdhury, an employment lawyer at Workley Law, and uh, Robert uh, Bensey, who is the Queen's Park Bureau Chief at the Toronto Star, someone very familiar to me from my days there, and Richard Krause, someone very familiar to you. Uh, he's the host of the podcast Last Call with Richard Krause and a familiar voice here on News Talk 1010. Good morning to you all. Happy New Year, you guys. Yeah, Happy New Year to every one of you. So uh, let's talk a little bit for a moment about the uh, subject of e-bikes on the subway. And uh, (laughs) I sort of opined on this early on this morning when I saw another fire, and in this case, two people taken to the hospital. And I start, I use the subway every single day, and I start even before we get into the fires at the fact that when you see people lugging these on, I mean, I feel sorry for them lugging them on, but at the same time, once they get them on the subway, it is a huge obstruction, the bigger ones. And you can't, I don't think you can start saying, well, it's okay to bring a small one but not a big one. Um, I think maybe it's time we just said those things are not on on the subway. It's an electric vehicle. You can use it to get around the city that way. Um, and then when you add the fire danger to that, to me, that makes it a certainty, uh, you know, scenario that you would just say no to these things on the subway, not safe and not appropriate. I tend to agree, especially because we we see that I think the Toronto Fire has said that there's been a huge spike in in these uh in, in fires being sparked from the type of batteries used in e-bikes um i'm a mom that has a stroller i can tell you when i try to get my stroller on the ttc on the streetcar it is very difficult to navigate i do not know how those with e-bikes which are bulkier than normal bikes can can safely get them on and off but with that fire risk i don't know if anyone else saw the video but it was pretty uh scary to see especially uh you know it was at a station that's super lucky if that happened in a tunnel my goodness i wonder um if there would have been more injuries uh if if something like that sparks up it's a huge vehicle in a tunnel between stations that would have been really terrifying and so it's really really quite lucky that it didn't happen that way and it was at a station and could be contained quickly but it's it's really is a warning for using e-bikes or allowing them into the TTC at all. Robert, we had a bit of a discussion on round one with none other than uh, Deb Hutton, who not once but twice this morning actually said she (laughs) thought government intervention maybe was called for. And I think this one is fairly clear that the TTC should just be saying no, um, you know, because they can't get into which bike can you you bring on, which electric bike and which one you can't. Uh, Do you agree with that? Oh, no, I agree with Deb and I agree with you, John, on this one. And Sunira, I mean, this is the, the video is very scary. I mean, that's the thing is engulfed in flames, the, the subway car. And I don't know these bikes. Uh, they call them bikes, but they look like Vespas or motorcycles. Exactly. Even like some of them are so big. I'm, I, I ride my bicycle. My I have a, one of these little folding bicycles, uh, and I ride that to work when the weather is permitting. Not now because it's too cold. And I'm in the bike lanes on Harvard Street, and these things are zipping by me in the bike lane as as fast as a car or a motorcycle. So I don't understand why they're allowed to be brought onto the subway. It's just it's the it's the weirdest thing. Like. People think that they they have this electric vehicle. They're going to bring it down the stairs to a subway station and then and then get it on a car, which is could be crowded. It's just it's it's a there's a real thoughtlessness uh, about it. Uh, and I I do agree with you guys that there needs to be some regulation of these things. So say you all, uh, Richard. 
Yeah, count me in on this. I, you know, I take the subway pretty much every day, and over the last couple of years, I uh, certainly have noticed a huge influx of e-bikes and and uh, things on the subway. And I think that other than maybe wheelchairs and baby carriages, nothing with wheels should be allowed on the subway. It is cumbersome. They take up space. Uh, they are, uh, in this case, in the e-bike uh, situation, very dangerous. Uh, you wouldn't bring a lawnmower on the subway with a big blade <laughs> spinning around so why would you bring in something that can explode uh on the subway just uh i think we should just not allow it i i feel sorry for people who are out there trying to make a living delivering and mostly that's what we're seeing here i think are uh, these e-bikes that that have the big uh, uber eats bags and things on the back of them so they're delivering and maybe it's faster just in crappy weather to zip away on the subway and go a few stops uh but nonetheless it's dangerous and uh and an inconvenience to the other riders all right well i think that uh, that's uh, something i think maybe the way you put it richard is the sensible way to say other than wheelchairs and strollers uh, anything with wheels so not all of the bike crowd the regular bike yep. crowd would take some issue with that and i'm more sympathetic to that because you're going maybe to ride on one of the trails somewhere and taking the subway and they're not as cumbersome i mean some of these i've seen that struggling that robert referred to and i feel sorry for the people struggling but at the same time they're trying to put a motorcycle effectively mm-hmm. onto the ttc and there's a safety issue there too uh, let's talk about the the new ontario laws uh, we can focus in on maybe one that takes effect today, which is one that I thought was quite interesting, uh, which is allowing those who are already big, i.e. 75 maximum uh, cannabis shops, to now go to 150, which I think will, on the one hand, allow the big to get bigger, uh, but on the other hand, may well stabilize this market in that you'll have bigger, more stable players um, and may, may in fact, counterintuitive to what it sounds like, Robert, uh, may uh, lessen the number of these shops over time, just because I think right now there's frankly too many of them. I mean, the marketplace should sort that out, but there's just, when it's every third store, it seems like a lot. No, I agree, John. And 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 I mean, this part of this was because in 2018, uh, this was coming from the previous Liberal government. It, they were going to be government-run shops, and then when the Conservatives were elected, Doug Ford's government changed uh, changed it to make more private sector involvement, and it became the Wild West. And um, I think this change, w- which will allow these chains to be a little bit bigger, you're right, will we'll kind of be a, a sort of marketplace correction. Because at a certain, on certain stretches, like on Queen Street uh, near my house, uh, at one point I counted, I, I actually couldn't count. There were too many for both hands to, to keep counting between sort of uh, University Avenue and uh, and Bathurst. There were just so many different uh, different stores. And I think that's uh, that's something that, that that will change. It's one of the, there's, a, there's very few major changes uh, changes in the province as of January 1st. Uh, but this is this is certainly one of them. And I think it'll be interesting to see how that how that happens, uh, how that what that starts to look like. Sinira, while we are talking about a change in a government rule to allow for more stores in the hands of one operator, um, it is in another way, uh, letting the marketplace kind of sort this out by having some people who could be bigger players and seeing if uh, things kind of do end up in the right place in terms of the number of stores. Yeah, I, I agree there. And um, to Benzie's point, you know, Queen Queen Street has been rated uh, worldwide as one of the coolest uh, streets in the world. And these 
cannabis shops have really become, uh, I, I think, more of an eyesore than anything else, especially on iconic streets like that. I think Young Street as well, portions of Young Street, you see it. And um, if this change will mean that, I think most Ontarians, when they read that, think, oh, my goodness, we're about to see, uh, you know, double the amount of shops. But I, I, but I agree that I think bigger players will emerge. There's going to be uh, more streamlined product i suppose i'm certainly not um uh, an expert in that industry uh, at all um but I, I i one would hope so that you are not going to see a continued prolif- proliferation of new players and n- new shops lining iconic streets like queen street i'm hoping that we're going to see um much less of that rather than more I agree with that. Richard, uh, we're going to move on to something a little different well, for you. I, I just oh, have you one on? thought. No, I, I have one thought about that in that I don't know whether it will uh, reduce the amount of stores uh, because of consolidation. I'm, I'm not sure about that. What I would like to see uh, as a change uh, is the way that these stores are presented. I'm a big believer in street life. You have to have yeah. a vibrant street life, stores that are attractive for people to go in. And because of the rules that we have to have frosted windows on all these cannabis shops that you can't see in because god forbid you might see an attractive package of um, cannabis that you want to rush in and buy uh, but it deadens the street it makes it look like the stores are closed frequently it isn't an attractive uh, yeah. view from the street into the store that has to change make these stores uh, just like regular retail stores and I think it would sort of open them up a little bit more and make them more attractive and make the streets feel less deadened I think that is a good point although I still think you don't want to have three cannabis shops in a block and a half because it just is you absolutely know, it's, it's too much of one thing but in any event we'll move on what I did want to ask you about is uh, this whole notion of filming in gyms and we talked about it on round one and, and, and what this is is people I guess who, and, and I guess some of them are in commercial enterprises where they're trying to promote their own training and others are people that are just, um, I don't know, very self-focused, but they film their workout in the gym and then they put it on the internet. And then uh, the, the concern here is about the privacy of people who end up getting caught in the background because they're in working out at the same time. And, uh, you know, contrary to my, not mine, but contrary to the thought that maybe government needs to um, intervene in this, uh, the thought was expressed uh, in round one that you, sh- you should just say to the industry, Look, you have to start saying this is a camera-free zone in this gym because people don't want to be, you know, on the internet. Uh, if you do, then either go to a special corner or come at a special time, or we're just going to say we're a non-filming uh, gym here, as opposed to in any way regulating this. Uh, do you want to yeah. start with you, Richard? Well, I think that you definitely have to uh, have a, a section because you're never going to stop people from uh, filming themselves at the gym. It, it, the idea of posting these videos is that it's supposed to be aspirational. You're seeing uh, people working out and getting into shape, and it's supposed to inspire the people. What it really is is just narcissism of the people making the videos and putting them up. That's what, sort of generally speaking, I see. It's not aspirational at all, but uh, you're not going to be able to stop people from doing it. it when you go to any social situation where there's a crowd where there's in, in public people or video we were at a play the other day and people were videotaping after especially being told not to so have a section at the gym that
that is uh, for people that want to videotape themselves and you know let give them a, a, a splashy backdrop, something they can uh, have to make the video look kind of cool or interesting or whatever, and leave everybody else that's in there paying just to try and uh, get into shape out of the picture, literally out of the picture. Robert, I have no desire to see your work. That's no offense. Uh, I'd like you to maybe see mine. You, you so won't, you John. Don't worry. Because yeah, so you, yeah, you're not there. But I don't, yeah. I'd like you to see mine now so you know that you know I can out-bench press you and you, you can't kick me around anymore the way you used to. But having said that, I assume you would sort of agree with this, that there is a limit on this kind of stuff with people filming all over the place. Yeah, Richard's right, and I, and, and look, I, 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 it would never occur to me to film myself doing exercise, and it would never occur to me that anyone would be interested in, in seeing what I look like when I'm exercising. Uh, I, but I have friends who do this on on, and they post them on Instagram, and and I guess it, Richard's right, it is aspirational on some level, I, I think, but it is also kind of weird. Like I just, I don't know, it I'm just seems you. very strange to me. Weird, uh, but it's not my jam. Weird. <laughs> weird and weird behavior in the gym you know i was in the gym and somebody walked in and out five times and i thought is something wrong did they lose their keys no they were just waiting for me to leave the gym so they could use it by themselves so that they could film and it's it's just weird behavior all around not a fan no no cameras in the gym please all right and it's <laughs> up to the private sector i think to say that and they should and uh, we'll leave it at that i'll thank you all very much uh, on this uh, 2nd of january senior chowdhury employment employment lawyer at workley law robert benzie from the toronto star at queen's park and richard Crows from last call with richard Crows. thank you all very much and happy new year again